Welcome back, everybody listening. It's another edition of the Cats Illustrated podcast, and it has been a long time. It's been way too long. I want to apologize up front for us not doing this more frequently, but life happens. The website gets busy. We've had plenty of content up, uh, but this is an excellent time to do another podcast, and I am uh, very excited. David Sisk, our basketball recruiting, but also our basketball Guru extraordinaire has become very popular. His analysis, not only his recruiting, but his really analysis of Kentucky basketball. Uh, and we're going to be talking all things Kentucky basketball with him in about a half hour episode. And he is going to be at the SEC tournament for Cats Illustrated, covering everything uh, along with wrongs of Big Blue Faithful there. So, David, how are you doing? And how excited are you for this tournament to get underway? Happy holidays. Man. That's the way I look at it. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. This is, it's all rolled up into one this upcoming week. Uh, I, I, I live right outside the Nashville area, and I'm, I'm really glad it's in Nashville. Uh, I don't have far to go at all, and, and I am really pumped up for these next couple of days. You and I, just before this podcast started, were talking about the dynamics going into this SEC tournament, and you said something interesting, and I said, let's just fire up the podcast and pick up the conversation where we left off. You said, you you thought, you know, this is really a, a two-team show, you know, with LSU, with Will Wade, and with the players, and I mean, I, I think everybody knows that they're dangerous, they still have talent, but, but you look at the betting lines, and Kentucky and Tennessee are roughly even favorites. Maybe Tennessee, I, I think I saw one place, was slightly favored to win the SEC tournament. Kentucky's won it four years in a row. This is nothing new for Kentucky to, to be at this level. But Tennessee, I mean, they've been at a high level for a couple years now. But this, And they've won, they won the SEC championship last year. They shared it with Auburn. They shared it uh, this year. But you said you thought Kentucky fans would handle losing in this tournament if it happens better than Tennessee fans. You don't think Tennessee fans would handle a loss here well. And does that does that have anything to do with how the Auburn game went or what do you attribute that to? No, what, what I, and I, I think it could when they look at it because they've had the idea that they're during a slump, although they're not. Uh, you know, they've they've had that idea, but here's what I base it on. Uh, I think and it comes down with experience and success. Uh, Tennessee fans, I think, are just all in on this SEC tournament. You know, they, they've been talking a lot. You know, I have friends here, and they're like, you know, wait till the SEC tournament. They started talking about the SEC tournament weeks ago. It's in Nashville, obviously. And I think they're just all in because they're such – they want to beat Kentucky so badly. So I, th- I think if you gave a lot of people – the choice, would you rather get to the Elite Eight or the Final Four, or would you rather be Kentucky in SEC tournament? A lot of them would rather be Kentucky. I don't think there's many Kentucky fans out there that would put the shoe on the other foot and say, nah, we'd rather be Tennessee than get to the Final Four. Uh, I think Kentucky fans, they run down this gauntlet every March. So, you know, they're, they're really educated on, on the postseason, on March Madness. And they know no matter what happens, it's a it's a it's a marathon here to the end of the month, and if they just want to make sure everything's right and get this team 100, percent you know, uh, when they get into the big dance. I'm not going to tweet anything that you just said because I'm going to save you from the fury of all Twitter. Because and, I, and I and I appreciate that. <laughs> and that's my, not a 
that's not a knock on them at all. I trust me, it's not. But I, I just, I, I just know that the the, the just uh, the fear around how bad they want to be Kentucky, I, and it's the same way in football. They wanna. They they want to be Florida. They want to beat Alabama. They zero in on opponent, a big rival to them, who usually gets the best of them, and, and they focus all their energy on that opponent. Kentucky football is really a perfect example of the inverse of that. They had their best season ten and three, and for a couple of weeks there, I think they were like eight and three at the time, maybe nine and two or something like that, and they lost to Tennessee, and it was like the story of the season, best season in forty years. The story of the season was how did we lose to Tennessee? So it's just the reverse in this rivalry. But those are the two teams everybody is going to be talking about. The first one went heavily in Kentucky's favor in Lexington with Reed Travis. The second one went heavily in Tennessee's favor. Uh, But Reed Travis is the big variable here. I think everybody is chomping at the bit to see uh, Kentucky and Tennessee again. If they match up, it would be on Saturday. Uh, Kentucky is going to have to get through either Ole Miss or Alabama. Tennessee will catch the winner of the Mississippi State and either Texas A&M and Vanderbilt game, which uh, gets tipped off on Wednesday. We're recording this on Monday night. Uh, But Reed Travis is an interesting topic because Calipari addressed the issue today, and he said that if he plays the SEC tournament, he's going to play like a reserve. And he, once again, downplayed expectations. And there's all kinds of Reed Travis conspiracy theories floating around now as to the severity of it, as to whether they plan on him playing at all. Um, But what we know is they're going to ease him back in, and Calipari wants him for the big dance. So what what do you think, ideally, what does Kentucky do with Travis? Do they just bring him along slowly? Uh, How do you you see it playing out, or how do you think Kentucky fans should want it to play out? I think the perfect scenario, although I think Ole Miss is better than Alabama, honestly, uh, I think they're better coached. They're scary the way they shoot the ball. Uh, haven't seen the game in person in Oxford last Tuesday. But I, the thing is, they're small. And I, I, I know I sound like a broken record. People get tired of hearing me saying it over and over. But the thing that I really like about uh, Nick Richards and E.J. Montgomery is Defensively, they can switch ball screens and handoffs. You can put them on guards. And the, the whole thing about a five out, four out, three pointers, guard oriented offense, you create mismatches against bigs. They can't create mismatches on Richards and Montgomery because they can't get fouled. And uh, now offensively, they're obviously not as good, but they're good against small units. Uh, if they play Ole Miss, I think you can go with those guys more in the first game back. And then you have, uh, and then you could give Reed Travis time. He can work in slowly. Now, I don't know what they plan on playing him. I mean, I really don't know. I know they don't want if he does play. Uh, I can almost assure you they don't want to go 35, 40 minutes, you know, the first game back. If they play Alabama, Alabama's got Donta Hall inside. You know, I would say outside of Tennessee, LSU, Kentucky, they got the best inside game in the league. You know, you have him. Uh, it's just a difference maker in there. They have some size, uh, you know, uh, bring Alex Reese off the bench, but specifically Donta Hall, uh, who's just a, a force inside, a really strong guy. You know, they'll need Reed Travis in that type of game, and uh, I think it's, it'll be difficult for 
Montgomery or Richards to match up with him just from the physical sense of it. He's 6'9", 230. So I, I would love for them. I, mean, I think it's, it's just a better fit. Not saying the team's better, but it's a better fit for them that they play Ole Miss early and it's just kind of working in and, and we'll see what happens when they play Tennessee because we really don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I was just watching ESPN here. Uh, Robert Greensboro were playing as, as we speak. There's about a minute left in that game. But at the half, Kent State got a forward or center hurt. They showed him helping him off the court. The question was, do they play in the Big 12 tournament? And, and Jason Williams, I believe it was, said, look, you don't worry about the Big 12 tournament. You've got to get him back for you know, the NCAA tournament. So uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I expect him to be back, you know, in in a uh, in, in a major role. But we'll see. I talked to a lot of, you know, other people who covered Kentucky last Tuesday uh, at the Ole Miss game, and I asked a lot of them that question, and nobody had an answer. They're like, we, we, we don't know. We'll see. It's interesting analysis you just gave i pulled my twitter followers as to if if kentucky tennessee auburn or i guess lsu i mean their situation's unique if if one of the if a team in the sec other than one of those teams were to get hot who would be the dark horse to win the tournament old men a lot of people said old miss but i see what you're saying matchup wise about alabama i almost wonder if whether maybe old miss would be more likely as a dark horse team to run through it, but they just don't match up with Kentucky as well in that one particular setting. And it's it's so fascinating that we're talking about Kentucky as defending these shooters. Like at the beginning of the season, teams were just so hot against them. I think it was just teams were hot. There was bound to be some regression. I looked at the analytics, and Kentucky's like in the top 90 percentile for defending spot-up shooters, just to what you're saying. That's just... They get out on guys now. And, and, and yeah. I saw an efficiency rating today uh, nationally defensively, and I think they were like number six. Yeah. So, yeah, so they go, yeah, absolutely. Like and the SEC teams that have given them the most problems have had at least one or two guys that can, they can move you down low and they can play above the rim. So, um, that, that, I, that's more Alabama, yep. Yeah, and, and I don't know, if I had to rate teams going in, just, just to kind of touch on what you talked about. Yeah, I do think Kentucky's the best team in the league when, when they're 100% healthy. Now, whether or not they win, I don't think they could win the tournament without I, I without a, a huge dose of Ray Travis. I just don't think they take Nick Richards and EJ Montgomery and beat Tennessee. And, and, and uh, like we said, we don't know what LSU's going to provide. But I think as far as teams are at 100% everything, now, I, I would put um, uh, Kentucky 1, Tennessee 2, LSU 3, uh, Auburn 4, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. It's kind of a coin toss right there between those two. Uh, so if you talk, I would, Auburn would kind of be the dark horse at the five, but like you say, simply because they play South Carolina in the quarterfinals. And I know you said to count them out, but. I think the next best two teams are Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I think those teams are very, very similar. Uh, they're really good guards. Uh, not, you know, not very strong in the post for smaller teams. But I, I don't, I don't know that there's a dime's difference. Mississippi State might be a little bit better. So uh, if I had to say, okay, this is the best, who would be the next best team outside of the four you mentioned? Not that 
I don't know that they're going to make the run, but to me, out of the four teams that you mentioned, I think the next best team is probably Mississippi State. Yeah, and Kentucky won by four points in Starkville. Kentucky won by four points in Oxford. So Kentucky's results against those teams, very similar. If Travis is not able to play a whole lot, and if it's just about getting his feet wet for the next tournament, then P.J. Washington, Tyler Hero, Keldon Johnson, their big three, has to play at an extremely high level. And on the topic of P.J. Washington, you know, he he, he made he, he made a lot of free throws in the big loss at Tennessee. He has averaged 14 points over the last two games. He, he really um, exerted his will at times over the last couple of games in the second half against Ole Miss. Uh, and 15 points, nine rebounds against Florida. But from late January until late February, I think a lot of people believed he was playing like the second best player in the country behind Zion Williams, or he was at least in the top three or four in the conversation. The Sporting News named him a third-team All-American today, and I know a lot of Kentucky fans were like, what? I think Grant Williams is a first-teamer. But in fairness, I mean – P.J. wasn't playing at that level for the entire season. You know, he, he, he right. was a little bit more inconsistent in that. Which is, what are your thoughts on that? P.J. Washington, the ups and the downs of his much better sophomore season, how do you think he stacks into the, to the conversation nationally in terms of the All-American race? I think a lot of the time, and it's hard to believe that somebody might get more high than a player at Kentucky. I think that um, Grant Williams – you know, he had so much of it coming into the season. He had such a great year last year, and he had a lot of eyes on him. And to his credit, he, he's an outstanding player. He didn't he didn't do anything to disappoint. Uh, and you know, he's he's lived up to that. Uh, having said that, I, I think PJ. I, I'm just going from a matchup standpoint when they play, and I think you could see it in the first game when when you know everything was even. They had Ray Travis. I think that's a really tough matchup when they're on each other for Grant because P.J.'s bigger. If you look, they do pretty much the same thing, except uh, I, I do think P.J.'s a little better defender on the perimeter when they switch. And he's too big for Grant Williams. Uh, uh, you know, when he just gets the ball down on the block and on that left block, it just goes up and over. But, you know, he's two to three inches taller. And I, I, I think he's the best player. I would say to me the best three players in the league uh, are, uh, and as far as they played the season, would be uh, uh, PJ, would be uh, Grant Williams, and probably would be Tremont Waters. And there's a lot of really good players in the league. Auburn's got outstanding guards, Gafford at Arkansas, you know, and there's, there's really a bunch of, uh, of, of good players, but uh, that would be the ones that I'd go with. And you just, you can just see at Ole Miss, you know, they're down at the half. And they come out, and Calipari said, look, P.J., you know, you were in foul trouble with nine minutes. You didn't play the last nine minutes of the first half. I'm going to just give you the ball. And, and you could see him just, when he got that ball, they come out and give it to him down low in a dive post. He just took that game over, and, and there was nothing Ole Miss could do about it. And then he turned around for the second game in a row, really, and they came right out of the locker room uh, down – uh, you get one point to Florida, 31 to 30 to half. He gets the first two touches. He posts up, and then he goes to the high post, and they isolate for him. It was on one of our video clips. He gets the ball. And every time, I, I know Tyler Hero makes big shots. Keldon makes big shots. But when they have to have a bucket, 
know where they're going to go to. They're, they're going to go to uh, P.J. Washington, and he has not disappointed at all. Seems like, based on how you've broken everything down, is also a big reason for Tyler Hero's success, the way that they play off of each other and Calipari sets up the offense in the half court. I wanted to ask, everybody knows what Reed Travis was to this team. I think um, just in terms of being another strong presence down low or rebounding force, consistent guy who got garbage buckets, and he and P.J. played off of one another very well. It, it prevented opponents from putting too much attention on P.J., but I think – the defensive end of the court, I don't think Travis was ever viewed as a great defender, but Kentucky has locked down at times when he's been out. But I think in certain matchups, they, they haven't been as good with with, Tra with Travis not on the court since then. What Overall, from a coach's perspective, how has Travis being out changed what Kentucky has looked like? They've been 5-1 and one if you count the Missouri game, but how has it changed what Kentucky does and maybe how opponents attack them or, or go at them. It changes more game to game offensively, but defensively, it was big because against Tennessee because they didn't have two strong posts to go against what Tennessee has. Here was the big thing: the more Kyle Alexander is able to play for Tennessee against Kentucky, the longer he's in the game, the better it is for Tennessee because they really couldn't play him much. Reed Travis was too strong. And so then what happened, you have Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams uh, that go to uh, the four and the five, and uh, PJ's just bigger. So, and, and Reed Travis is so physical. And that on the defensive end, that's where they had to have it. Uh, EJ and Nick are just not physical enough for two guys like that. And it would be the same if they played LSU. From a defensive standpoint, they'd probably match up better against Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn, teams like that. Because, like I said, they, they bring a lot to the table against teams that spread it. Offensive end, here's what I see, and this is against everybody. Uh, Kentucky's at their best when they run their pin down action. In other words, what I mean, they bring Tyler Hero off a screen from the block, or they bring Kelvin Johnson off the other side. They run the pin down, they catch the ball at the wing, and then P.J. Washington posts right up behind it. If they don't have it, they reverse the ball. They go to the other wing from Keldon. He gets a screen from, uh, he gets a screen from uh, Reed Travis, and Reed turns around with duck seals, and they go to that side. And, and on that second ball reversal, if you've got the defense broke down, you're going to get the ball inside. And the post-to-post -post passing is really good on the double. You watch them right now, uh, Nick Richards and EJ, when they screen, they can't they can't seal behind it. If you take a look, they, they hardly ever have a look when those guys come off pin down action on their side. They don't even post up. They're just looking really to screen again or go out ball screen. So Cal Perry's had to really be creative. Okay, how do I get the ball in these plays that I like to run? How do I adjust them? and get the ball to P.J. So a lot of times, you know, they're trying to find a way to help P.J. set the screen or, or, and uh, still be able to get the ball inside. So, and it also lets the defense double-team P.J. more. You know, they, they, they can swarm it now. So uh, it, it's made a bigger difference to me in the offense simply of not having that really strong screener down low to turn around and seal and score when they get him the ball. Now it's just... 
you could reverse the ball before. Now it's just PJ on one side of the floor. Maybe in your experience as a coach, um, different uh, different squads, different levels. But when when you're when you're without a player, a key player that you've developed an identity with, and he's gone, and he comes back right before a tournament, is there any concern about? chemistry when he comes back because I've I've posted a concern about that and people have said well he's only been out for a couple of weeks there's no issue with the chemistry I mean is there enough time for bad habits to form or if Travis were to come back and if he's 100% by the first round of the tournament I mean do they just go right back to what they were doing or or is there any acclimation process beyond him being physically ready when you get him back on the court I don't think it's chemistry I just think if this player could be ready I think that's the whole issue right now. And like I've said, is he going to be 100%? If not, how close will he be to 100%? Can he play extended minutes? I think the chemistry, they can get it back. They'll be practicing together. and They played so many games together. I know last year on our high school team, we suspended a player during the district tournament and got it back from region tournament. And the whole thing was, was, was you know, from doing that, we were more worried about his mental psyche than how our team chemistry would be when he came back. This year, we we are uh, we had a center about 6'6". He went down with an ankle and uh, come back right before the district tournament. We, we just, he had a hard time recovering uh, and, 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 and being ready. He just couldn't get any lift. It really, he had trouble finishing simply because he just couldn't push off and, so, uh, chemistry-wise, we were we were good. It's just the player being able to perform. So that's my main question on Reed. Just like I said, what percentage is he, and uh, you know how hard and how long can he go? Yeah, when when a guy goes down at the beginning of the season and they say it's going to be two weeks and it's three weeks or it's four weeks, nobody really bats an eye. But when they say it's going to be two weeks this time of year and it's like seventeen days, eighteen days, everybody, you know it. it it, dr- it drives home that these are messy situations, and it's not always clear cut exactly exactly how long. If you notice on Tuesday when he got hurt, he got hurt on a Tuesday night against uh, Missouri, Missouri yep. and it was a great, I think, a great one. He sprained, and then the next night, Dion Wilson had the very same injury, great one knee sprain against North Carolina one night later, and they're and I kind of watched it. I watched the Duke side of it. They're saying Zion's going to be back for the first game of the tournament. So I'm hoping that means it was the same type of injury. I've kind of watched their development and both coaches and both um, um, programs are kind of saying the same thing about the injuries. So I've kind of watched Zion, what they say about him, and see if we could. Of course, obviously, every injury is different. But, you know, it it was diagnosed as the same thing. So I'm curious if that's. If they say, uh, hey, he's ready to go and it's the same injury, maybe that gives us a little bit more hope that, that uh, Reed will be able to play this weekend as well. Everybody wants to be peaking this time of year. You know, I, I don't exactly know what peaking means. I've seen teams that were cold and then they get hot in the conference tournament and that's all it takes to peak. Is I guess it doesn't take – how long does it take for a team to start peaking? I mean, I don't know that we can say Kentucky is not peaking because – I think they've played fairly well considering the strength of the SEC and Travis being out, and they were certainly peaking before Travis uh, went down with an injury. Uh, I mean, 
how important it is to is it to be peaking in conference tournament time and and is Kentucky in a good spot other than the injury? I think it's easier to gauge Kentucky peaking than it is Tennessee, and here's the reason I say that: Tennessee's an older team. Kentucky they were playing all these freshmen, and you remember earlier in the year they didn't know who the point guard would be. I mean, when the year started, you couldn't tell the difference between game one between if you'll remember between uh, uh, your three point guards, between Ashton, between Emmanuel Quickly, and between Quaddy um, um, Green. That's right. Yep. You didn't know who it was going to be. And you remember early in the year, Tyler Harrow couldn't make a shot. And you're like, man, he's got good form. It looks good. What in the world is wrong with him? And, and then, uh, uh, you know, you're waiting on, on – E.J. Montgomery, you're waiting on Nick Richards, and they're not showing anything. But then, as they, you could see they really struggle. They get blown out by Duke, and they really struggle in November. They really struggle in December. And it really started. North Carolina was a game where you could really start seeing it. And then Louisville. And, and that's the games that really started looking good. And then you get the SEC tournament. I know Calipari said early, we would just like to, right now, can we play – 10, 15 minutes. That's all we're going to get. A really good basketball. And then you kind of hope, well, maybe we can start getting a half out of them. And then we can start getting 25 minutes. And then we can start getting 30 minutes. Uh, and, and I think what you want to do is just know when you get up to the end here that no matter what happens, that this team is going to give you 40 minutes, that they're going to play hard for 40 minutes. They're not going to have breakdowns. And it may not be the most beautiful basketball you've ever seen, but you could count on them for 40 minutes to get the best effort and, and to really kind of play clean basketball. And then you start working on these guys individually to, to step up. And you can see these players getting better. And, and I thought they were really, until uh, Reed Travis got hurt, I mean, they were really right there. So I, I felt like... Uh, uh, you know, right before his injury, they beat Tennessee, you know, in, in Lexington to kill them. And I'm like, man, this team, man, they can beat anybody. Give them another shot at Duke. And then the injury happened. So, you know, that kind of settled back a little bit. But if Reed comes up strong, just think of the experience of Nick Richards and E.J. Montgomery have given you a big minute. So now you've got those guys. So if he comes back healthy and strong, you know, all this could be a blessing in disguise that could be better than ever. Yeah, the Tennessee game was an aberration for everybody. I think you understand why. But other than the Tennessee game, Tyler Hero has definitely been peaking at the right time. And Keldon Johnson went through a stretch where, you know, one of six against Missouri, two of nine South Carolina, two of nine Tennessee, and he struggled at the foul line. But I feel like over the last couple of games against Ole Miss and Florida, he wasn't good at the end of the first half against Florida on either end of the court. I thought he had some lapses and and just maybe some mental breakdowns. But the last two games, I think Keldon Johnson has shown um, that he's kind of trending back in the right direction a little bit. Um, One thing I like about Keldon, he does the little things. Yeah. And, and, and like an old Miss, you know, being there alive, you could just see it. He was tentative. He was afraid to take the outside shot. He looked like he was a player with confidence. And you look up, he's got like three, four minutes left to go in the first half. He's got 14 points, 12 points. And, and I remember saying to the guy beside me, this may be the, the, the best offensive outing that I've ever seen from a guy when I'm sitting there wondering, you know, what's, uh, 
what's wrong with him? He doesn't look confident at all. And you look up, and he's still he's on pace to score 25, 30 points. So, but it's a little thing. Running the floor, hitting the boards. He loves to attack the rim. You know, he, he's not feeling it from outside. He still gets to the rim. I thought Calipari did a good job putting him in some spots uh, where he could isolate him. Uh, uh, Saturday, so to try to get that confidence back. So, like I said, I, I, I just like, I, I just like how he does things other than you know, put, even when he's not putting the ball in the in the basket from outside, he, he still has a big impact on the game. For a freshman forward who's not exactly a big man, he's a very consistent rebounder, and he he passes the ball in the open court. You've written about how sometimes Kentucky's best offense has been using that rim protection to get out in front of yeah. the defense before they can set the zone up, and, and he's been a weapon there, and, and he's obviously a, a very important uh, tournament time. Let's assume Kentucky's got Reed Travis. Let's assume they show well enough in the NCAA tournament to either be a one seed or to be a two, possibly in Duke's region. I mean, Reed Travis back. I mean, where does Kentucky stack up in the national championship race? Are they one of the four or five leading contenders? Are they one of a group of eight to ten? Or or how would you handicap it? Here's what I think. If he is, if he's back healthy, I think, I've thought long and hard about this. I think there's three teams in the SEC that can win it. Okay? And, and, and Kentucky, Tennessee, and I'm still going to put LSU in there. Although it's not as attractive as it was, I thought LSU could win the whole thing. I mean, they are really, they are so talented. But um, It's like if they didn't have the name LSU, if they were the same players in Kentucky's uniform, people would be talking about them a lot more. And I'm going to tell you what, getting off the bus, they're the best team in the country. Yeah. I mean, you're sitting outside, you watch LSU get off the bus and Nas Reed. I would put Nas Reed, if I'm the coach, he's the first guy that gets off the bus you see him, everybody's going to turn around and go home. I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty young, but about once every 10 years, LSU puts a basketball team on the court that's just oh, like otherworldly. I don't know what it is, but about once a decade, you can count on it. Well, yeah, well, they do. They get they have that one good team, then they get put on probation. Yeah, that's so, right. So, I shouldn't say that. But, but Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, and then out of the ACC, North Carolina, Duke, uh, and in Virginia, there's six. I look at the Big 12. I don't think there's anybody there. I look at the Big 10, and I do a lot of Big 10 work uh, with rivals with Minnesota. But I, I would have, at one time, I would have put Michigan State there, but I don't think so. They've got too many injuries. they got two huge injuries. And uh, I think Tom Izzo's done as good a job this year as he's ever done. And they, who knows? They may sneak up getting the Final Four. Never could put anything past them, but. I just don't think with those injuries. So there's six, uh, and I look at, I, I don't know, perhaps. Houston. Uh, maybe a Gonzaga. But, you know, I look at a lot of these teams, all these other leagues, and, and I just, I don't see it. But I, I think, you know, you could possibly have two out of the ACC, two out of the SEC. But if I looked at the top, I would put Kentucky, to be honest with you, probably the top six. I, right. I think they're if he's back healthy. I, I, I think they're I think they're obviously that good. <clears throat> I mean, at one point Duke was obviously the odds-on favorite when Zion was playing, and they did what they did to Kentucky. And then when they were down twenty at Louisville, they just flipped a switch. And I think Jimmy Dykes was it Jimmy Dykes or somebody else when they were down twenty. 
I don't remember who exactly it was. The commentator said, well, Louisville better put them away. And I was laughing. I was tweeting about laughing about, what are you talking about putting them away? They're up 20 points. And the reason I felt like Duke with Zion was just going to be so hard to beat was it seemed like whenever they wanted to play, they just had two big-time NBA players and three NBA players, and they swarmed everyone when they wanted to. And I don't know what that's going to look like if and when Zion comes back. Uh, but it does seem like it's wide open. Some years it seems like there's a team of destiny. It doesn't really feel like that right now. No, but I'm going to tell you, if, if Zion comes back in the ACC tournament and he looks really good and they win that thing, uh, then, then I, I think heavy money goes back on Duke. I remember that game you're talking about. And, of course, everybody remembers it and saw it. And one thing I, that still sticks in my mind, when they came back, I know – we're, we're talking to Kentucky fans and, you know, bragging on Duke's probably like telling your buddy how, how good his ex-wife looks. But, <laughs> but uh, man, Zion, that second, when they came back in that last 10 minutes, he just took over. And it's like Duke had five people out of the way. He was like a pinball machine, knocked them out of the way. Yeah. And I remember thinking, my God, how does he not score 200 points a game? Yeah. I mean, when he, I mean he was just like, you could be one on five score and then obviously the talent around him you know he's got three lottery picks I think Trey Jones is very very underrated I, I thought he was the best point guard in the country coming out last year uh so you know I, I think if he's healthy I, I think obviously Duke's a team that you're, you're going to have to go through but tell you what North Carolina's playing awfully well right now uh, I, I really like, I know Kentucky's beating them, but they've got better and better and better. You talk about teams peaking, getting better, and uh, North Carolina has. I know I, people get tired uh, of hearing me say it, but I'm probably the, the one person in Kentucky media who thinks Roy Williams is probably underrated, underappreciated. I mean, Coach K with five titles, Roy's got three in the last, I don't know, since 2005. And it seems like every year they lose Justin Jackson, Marcus Page, and I'm like, when is the hammer going to drop? When's the shoe going to drop? When's there going to be a drop-off? And you get Cam Johnson and Luke May playing at a high level. I mean, I, I don't. I think next year they are going to fall off because they're going to lose a lot. But um, Roy Williams, along with Tom Izzo, has also done maybe one of the best coaching jobs of his career this year. He, he's able – his teams are able to get old. And what I mean by that, you look at guys, they come to North Carolina, and you think, obviously, that they could be kind of a one-and-done, you know, in a one-and-done situations too. But they, uh, their guys stay around, not for two years, but he's able to get them to stay around for that. Really good players stay around for that third year. And and I remember, I, I've got a really good friend, coaches out in the Pac-12, and, and we were talking about uh, about teams, about that, absolutely, that subject. And, he said, look, the secret, he said, somehow you've got to find a way for your team to get old. And Roy's been able to do that. And somehow, I think maybe the uh, NCAA cloud that was hanging over him there for a couple of years really helped him because instead of going out and getting top 10 players, he was getting players between 30 and 50, 25 and 50, you know, guys who were uh, uh, really outstanding players. You know, high four stars. He wasn't getting five stars, but he was getting really good four star players on the upper end of that uh, level right there who were who staying for three years and sometimes four years. And 
uh, obviously he's had a really good run here uh, uh, about the last three years. Kentucky has gotten a lot better since that game or before the Travis injury. They also had improved a lot. North Carolina improved a lot. I felt like the reason Kentucky had matched up well so well with them and the reason Calipari's teams generally match up well pretty, pretty well with Roy's teams is Roy is not going to slow it down, and Cal's teams usually just have a little bit more length. It seems like they bother Carolina shots a little bit more when they yeah. play. And and Kobe White is, is a very good guard, but he doesn't have the, the best handle in the world. And Ashton Hagens, I think, really yeah. took him out of the game the first Ashton time they played. Ashton on the defensive end, and I go back to the good old rival, P.J. Washington swore May out, you know, went, went on the offensive end. So, uh, and I still think, I just look at matchups, and, and, and I think that's the thing I want to look at these teams they play. You know, I look at it with Tennessee. I think that's the thing LSU had. LSU was so big across that back line that, that P.J. couldn't dwarf them. I mean, they had two monsters back there. Yeah. Not a lot of teams have that. You know, you've got Luke May, who's, man, I mean, it's hard not to, to really enjoy watching him play. You talk about a guy that gets the most out of what God's given him, but, uh, you know, he, he you end up putting him on P.J. Washington, and, and sometimes, you know, P.J. on that offensive end in that situation is like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah, and and the teams that have fared best against Kentucky this year have made it hard for Kentucky in transition as well. I noticed LSU, LSU covered ground, and they covered space, and they, took, they made easy transition shots very difficult. It seemed like they, they contested just about everything that Kentucky sent at the rim. Um, and that's pretty much all the ground we wanted to cover today, David. I'm very excited about you going to the tournament for us this weekend, man. Doing excellent work at the site. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thank you. As David Sis become very popular at the site, and rightfully so. The man, as I've said, has forgotten more basketball than I will ever know, and I have no shame in saying I'm leaning on it, on him and anybody who wouldn't lean on him to talk basketball and to share on basketball uh, would be foolish because he's very good at what he's done and uh, and what he's doing. So you can catch all of his work. We're posting all the analytics from the regular season at catsillustrated.com. The conversation, as always, is raging, going strong at the House of Blue. Please join us if you're not a member. Enjoy the SEC tournament. Enjoy a fantastic week of college basketball, and we will do this again soon. Take care.